Welcome to 2021 and the third season of Breadcrumbs. I'm Jason Lowe, the youth minister at Bread of Life Church. Frankly, I'm excited to start something new, to turn the page and begin a new season. So, beginning with this episode, that's what we're going to do. The fact is that life is a journey with peaks and valleys, and our spiritual lives, our relationship with Jesus Christ, is no exception. But it's often by virtue of the journey itself that we grow and draw nearer to our God and Savior. In this new season, we'll be taking a biographic look at different Jesus followers. As we learn about who they are and what they've experienced, we will catch a glimpse of the Good Shepherd leading them along the path of faith. It is my hope that God's presence in their stories will give you a clearer vision of God's presence in yours. In this first episode, we get a rare look at a man we see so frequently, English pastoral assistant and worship leader extraordinaire, Alex Yen. So how many years has it been that you've been at Bread of Life? I first started attending in 96, so that makes it 24 years. 20? That's a long time. It's incredible. Yeah, we're talking about decades now. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So what was the journey to get to Bread of Life? I didn't grow up in LA. I uh, grew up in San Diego. And I was really fortunate to have uh, been born into a Christian family. And I grew up through a church in San Diego, through their children's and youth ministry. And so when I... um, ventured out to college to UCLA, I naturally uh, started looking for a church. And I looked for a church that was similar to my San Diego church. And after uh, maybe a handful of churches, I found Bread of Life uh, not only similar, but really grounded, Hmm. uh, really friendly. And uh, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll stick with it for a year and see how that goes. And that year has turned into over 20 years. (laughs) <laughs> when you got to college, what were you studying? I entered as an aerospace engineering major, and that's what I graduated with. And when you when you graduated, I mean, you didn't leave LA, you didn't leave Bread of Life. So how did you decide to kind of stay in LA and continue going to Bread of Life after you graduated? Yeah, so I uh, needed to find a job after I graduated. And uh, my first job uh, was working for the U.S. Air Force as a civilian, and it was at Edwards Air Force Base. So that is uh, north of Torrance um, <laughs> by quite a bit, but probably just on the edge of driving distance. Okay. <clears throat> I think most people at Bread of Life now know you as the worship guy and have uh, been served by you through your worship leading. When did you start getting into worship leading? It was during my college years at Bread of Life. And so my first year at Bread in 96, I attended college fellowship and I enjoyed it a lot. It was during that time where one of the fellowship leaders who uh, was also a worship leader he thought about uh, creating a very special small group, but the focus was on uh, learning guitar. 
specifically mm. for helping out with worship. Okay. And so I was interested in that. And before my college years, I, I never really played guitar. I think my parents had one at home. I learned piano when I was young, but I was really no good at piano. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I, I really didn't have worship uh, ministry even on my radar. But when I first joined that guitar small group, I loved it. And I thought, mm. wow, guitar is like a hundred times easier than playing piano. So I'm going <laughs> to stick with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, and then I found myself really kind of not only enjoying it, but having some kind of a knack for, for guitar. And so that's how I got introduced into worship music. And um, I think it was maybe my third year in college where I started uh, worship leading. So how did your worship leading and your engineering parallel one another? And, you know, how did they start to impact your, your future? So it, it's, it's almost like I had uh, two separate identities. Uh, during the day, I was an engineer and I, I really loved it. There are still elements of that career and life that I, I look fondly upon uh, and I miss. But at night, I was kind of, Alex, the, the ministry guy. So I would come home and I was involved with uh, high school, Sunday school and with, with worship. And so my evenings were kind of filled with, with ministry planning. And so during those um, three and a half years working as an engineer for the Air Force, I think my uh, desires and passions started to, to shift a little bit away from engineering and into ministry. So when, when was it that you made that decision to pursue vocational ministry and, uh, and leave engineering behind? It's probably around um, 2001. I think that's when I gave my parents a call out okay. of the blue. <laughs> and, you know, they thought, oh, this is nice that Alex is calling us to catch up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I told them, you know... I, I'm thinking of going back to school and they're like, okay, I'm thinking of music school. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's probably a long pause there. Crickets. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. They're waiting for, for the punchline. So I told them that if I wanted to do this, I also needed further training. Okay. Um, so, because at that time, everything that I had learned was, was kind of self-taught and mm. I needed a little more formal training. And they said, you know, if this is something that you want to do and you want to try, you can go with, with our blessing. If you ever change your mind, you know, we'd be happy for you to go back to engineering. <laughs> and so I think it was in 2001 when I started a music school at Musicians Institute in Hollywood. Okay. Okay. When, when you think about getting to this point in, in your journey, what were some of the key things that gave you the conviction that, that the Lord was leading you to uh, vocational ministry? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And, you know, even like in my life, it wasn't like an aha moment hmm. because after I finished music school, I was a little bit lost for a bit there. I didn't know what I was going to do. There wasn't a worship leader position at Bread. I don't think it was hmm. on the horizon and so soon after I finished music school, they 
uh, we're looking for a children's ministry director part-time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go to music school to do children's ministry, <laughs> but <laughs> this is really um, the church being so good to me. And uh, they gave me a shot on that. Um, but those uh, those opportunities there helped kind of firm up the conviction that I, I love doing ministry. So even doing children's ministry, which I, I wasn't trained for and I, I'd never thought about doing, it gave me experience to be working as an employee of the church and sure. to be involved with different ministries. And I found myself like just getting my toes wet. I thought, wow, this is something that I'd like to to do more of. Um, uh, when did you when did you transition out of the children's ministry role and in, into a uh, role with the English ministry? You know, I wonder if that was around uh, 20, 2013, maybe. Okay. I don't really remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, actually, maybe that's, that's, that's indicative of the way that the Lord has led you uh, and your heart for ministry. You know, because you know, what you're talking about uh, is interesting to me, where you've had this season of your life from, you know, the end of college uh, through a lot of the 2010s, uh, doing ministry and working in some kind of engineering role and mm-hmm. having your feet in, in both places and just finding and a passion for ministry within the church, no matter where you found yourself. Yeah, and yeah. having it all blend together. Yeah, that, that's, re- that's really been my life. Like, you know, for some people, it, it seems so clear right? Like everything falls into place. You finish up one chapter and the next one begins immediately. And you have these dramatic shifts. And I I don't know if I, if I wish my life were like that, because it certainly wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, It, a lot of this is kind of, it's a little bit curvy, a little bit twisty. I can't see too far down the road. And so there is a, a lot of kind of walking by faith and coming to terms with that and being okay with that. And I think, you know, through each of those steps, I've been more convinced that God is leading me in this way. And it's not necessarily that, oh, I think this is the the perfect spot and it took me this long to get there. Mm -hmm. But I think the journey um, and the progress through it is what, is what God was, was trying to take me through. Mm -hmm kind of shifting gears a little bit anyone who's observant notices that you don't play the same guitar every time on Sundays <laughs> some listening may know that you own a few guitars um, very few people know exactly how many guitars you own does Stephanie know how many guitars you own I don't even know how many guitars I own <laughs> <laughs> If you had to um, estimate how many guitars you own, what would you put the number at? I think I'm at 20, something 20. like that. 20, and, and how, many, like, how many of those are acoustic? How many electric? Do you own any bass guitars? Uh, no bass guitars. I think acoustic is probably about 13 or so. Um, yeah, and then the rest are, are electric. So when did you get your first guitar? <laughs> uh, I got it. 
as a college graduation gift from my parents. And I still have that to my day, to this day. Oh, you do? What kind of guitar is it? That's uh, a Taylor. That's the one that I call Angel. Yeah. Uh, so you're right. On, on Sundays, I'll, I'll kind of rotate through um, acoustic guitars. I probably have maybe four or five in the rotation that you, you see. And then the other ones, I guess they're not totally neglected, but they're not my Collectors favorites. items. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Okay. And how do you, how do you decide on the, in, so for those who don't know, all of your guitars have names. Yeah. How do you decide on the names for your guitars? Uh, I actually go to um, those baby name websites and, <laughs> <laughs> and I would think, I would look for unusual, cool, but unusual names. And um, yeah, so they're all real names. Uh, but I thought, oh, this would be kind of fun. They're, and they're all female names. I don't know why, but they all are. And, and then, so in order for me not to forget their names, uh, I have to actually use a label maker and I put it on the guitar case. And then I have a Word document of all my guitars and names too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know very many people who need to uh, catalog <laughs> their guitars. So... You play guitar on Sunday, you, you, you've led uh, countless worship sets. It'd be great to hear just your general perspective on, on worship leading uh, and that role within the church, your, your kind of your philosophy behind it. I think that the church has a primary objective of worshiping the Lord. And so my service to the church, uh, to the faith community, is to help people come to a greater sense of not only exalting and magnifying the name of the Lord, but also to be edified and to be built up in doing so, where their faith deepens, where they use music and song as an opportunity to rejoice. But it also, it's, it also seems like a lot of people, as recorded in the Bible, a lot of people use songs to lament and mm -hmm. to, to cry out. And they're, they're using poetry, written poetry, put to music and creating songs, uh, which allows them to, to remember and to share with other people. And then it becomes a communal thing where it's not mm -hmm. just one person expressing their feelings of either joy or sadness, of either a triumph or, or fear, but now you've got a group of people united and doing it at the same time. And worship and, and singing is, is really an integral part of our, of our lives as Christians. Uh, you know, when you are deciding on what songs will impact the community and the songs that you present, how do you, how do you choose from week to week? Yeah, selecting songs for a worship set really is personal. Not in terms that I, I don't want to share with you guys, but it really varies from worship leader to worship leader. Hmm. And so for me, uh, the theme is, is uh, the driving force for how I select my, my songs. And so whether it's a Sunday sermon or a, a Friday fellowship study or a small group study, 
what we're going to be talking about or what we're going to be focused on for uh, that gathering, I want the worship set to, to play uh, along with that, to, to go hand in hand. And so if we're talking about, you know, uh, something that sets our minds on the, the greatness or the sovereignty of God or, or his power, then I'm leaning towards songs that either speak directly of that or complement uh, that theme. And then um, when you're doing that, there's a lot of factors. So you're thinking of, okay, kind of like the, the rhythm, because uh, it's, it's a musical thing. Um, yeah. So you're thinking of how do, how do these songs all kind of go together? Mm. Um, and even each individual songs, they have their own theme. So as I'm taking people from song one, two, three, and finishing on song four, it's got to flow, um, not only musically and rhythmically, but also thematically. I've also got to consider, you know, who am I leading with? It makes a difference if I'm leading by myself on a single guitar, or if I've got a small worship team or, or a large worship team, then I can kind of choose the songs to, to fit that, uh, the musical style. But yeah, that's kind of my, my thought process. If I, if I know the passage, uh, primarily what I lead now is, is Sunday morning. So I know the passage that uh, our speakers going through. Um, I look through it uh, a couple of times. Sometimes I read or I watch a sermon or two on that passage to kind of give me background to help me choose the songs. And then I'll go through, typically I go through my entire collection of songs uh, from start to finish. And how if many, I need- How many songs uh, is that? Uh, so many? that's, I don't know, a few hundred. Okay. And then I'll, I'll put it in order. So, so that it makes sense. So that from point A to point B, from the beginning of the set to the end of the set, that you've, that we've all gone on this together and it, it makes cohesive sense. Now you may not know, because a lot of times I won't specify, hey, this is how I chose my songs this morning. And this is what, you know, we're, we're thinking about. But if you're paying attention, you're singing and you're, you mean what you're singing, then hopefully you're, we're all on the ride together. And by the time we've got to the end, we have a greater sense of what God's doing in our life or a greater desire to submit to him or a greater uh, realization of who we are as, as a church or what Christ has accomplished, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, for our, for every, as we finish up for our students, you know, what's one piece of advice that you would give? I think as we're worshiping together to be aware and intentional of what you're doing at that moment. Hmm. Um, it's so easy. And I I've done it before, right. Where it's, it's so easy to get distracted when we were meeting together in person, you know, slight movements, you, your, your eyes and your mind kind of drift off here. And then pretty soon, like one song's done and you're like, what was, what did I just sing about? And I, I don't think it's any easier, you know, even when we're doing it uh, virtually or online right now, I think it's easy to, to kind of just go through the motions. But I think if, if we're very, in, very intentional with the words that are before us and as they leave our lips, we're going through the, the thoughts and the intentions of the songwriter 
and the interpretation of the worship team that's leading it. And as they join songs together, so it's not just this song and then this other song, which is disconnected, but they're intentionally put right after another. You, you see a theme and it's, a, it's like a short book. Let's say the book has four chapters. It has four songs, but it's there put intentionally in this order for a purpose. Uh, we get ideas that can help our, our Christian faith. And unfortunately, you know, when we're separated, there is a little bit of solitary worship because you're only worshiping with, you know, those in the room with you um, and you miss out on a, on a key aspect of worship. Uh, but, you know, hopefully sooner than later, we'll, we're able to worship together. Then my recommendation is, is to, to delight in that time. I, I think there's a greater appreciation now that we're missing corporate worship. Of, of what it means to be the body. And so you're, when you look around, don't get distracted by movement and people singing and maybe singing off key, but really love and, and cherish. Uh, it's, it's a gift to be able to, to express uh, these, um, these words to God together. Talking to Alex, someone I've known for over 20 years, I learned things about him that I didn't know before. Like me, I hope you were able to see the way that God has been leading Alex throughout his life. At the end of each interview, we'll have a segment that I'm calling Three Thoughts. Three ideas to take away from the conversation. So here we go. Three Thoughts. First, the journey of faith is winding and unexpected. Alex's journey was not a straight shot. The Google Maps route would have been much shorter and simpler. But it has been that winding, unexpected path that has strengthened and deepened Alex's faith. It speaks to the truth that life is not about the details or the circumstances of our lives, but rather about our relationship with the God who is leading us. So look for him all along the way and trust that every detail and circumstance can strengthen and deepen your relationship with him. Second, worship is about the community. When we sing together, there's a spiritual significance and purpose that cannot be overstated. Part of our identity in Christ and our connection to his body is expressed when our voices are united in praise. The intention behind Alex's worship sets are meant to encourage and foster this expression. He's not choosing songs at random or just songs he likes. He's putting together a set that sets our hearts upon God and the gospel and leads us into the presence of God. We must approach Christian worship with a similar intent. Finally, the slope from 1 to 20 is slipperier than you think. I was surprised to find out Alex doesn't exactly know how many guitars he has. The way he tells it, he started with Angel, said, why not, to a second guitar, and he had 20 or so guitars before he knew it. And now, he's burdened with the task of naming and cataloging each one, not to mention storing them all. If nothing else, may I suggest collect something smaller, more easily stored, maybe pebbles. 
thanks to Alex for kicking off our new season in style. I hope his story is an encouragement to you. See you in February.